This is the Views from the Booth podcast, your reference guide into the world of sports broadcasting. Here's your hosts, J.J. Duke and Joe Vasile. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Views from the Booth. JJ and Joe here with you. Hope everybody's enjoying their day thus far. Um, If you missed our show last week, we hit probably our broadest scale of a range show topic that we could, but there was a pretty good meaning in it where we basically talked about broadcasting games between every level possible, youth, high school, collegiate, professional, the opportunities and the difficulties that come within each. And some of those differences that we really hit on the resources available between the levels, the audience that you're speaking to. And I think one of the key ones, and this was hit in when we brought on Mike Samsel, a gentleman who has called games at all the levels, is the attitude that you bring, whether you're someone that has done professional sports and all of a sudden on a whim for one reason or another, you're dropping down. And I say that with air quotes to doing a high school game. And if you bring a poor attitude to it, that ultimately can really hurt you in the long run. Vice versa, if you bring that same energy that you would any sort of game, how it's going to help you. So I think that show, Joe, was a lot of fun. Mike brought a lot of good stories to it. He brought a lot of life experiences. Someone that is our age and has done so much in terms of the range of games, I feel like for those out there, whether you are a veteran, whether you're young, whatever your scenario is, I feel like you could take a lot from that show. Yeah. I mean, there's just, the hits kept on coming last week, quite frankly, with, with Mike and just what he was able to, to throw out there, not only about going back and forth between different levels, what he learned from doing games, the pros that he's then put into work down in college sports, in high school sports, but also just, his attitude toward the business in general is is something that I think is very beneficial for a lot of people. I know it was for me to be around that, doing games with him at Westchester for uh, for a couple of winners. Um, and, and it's really something that uh, I hope that if you listen to it, uh, that you go back and listen to it time and time again, just to kind of help, help yourself get re-centered and refocused on the things that are important. Um, toward advancing your career. So if you missed that episode, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts from. Also, keep an eye on us on social media. If you want to go back and visit that preview, we'll hit on all those at the end of the show. And if we're talking about good refreshers, I feel like this transitions nicely into what we're going to talk about this week, because this show is kind of like going to be a, a wrapping up, put a nice little bow tie on something that we've talked about both indirectly, directly to extents and kind of danced around the topic a little bit. And we're talking about a broadcaster's unique voice, unique stylings, and the reasons why we all call games differently. So for the show, that's exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be, how do we create our own unique sound, something authentic, something that is yours and yours alone. And Something that actually gave me a little bit of inspiration on this um, movie that I've enjoyed watching in the past, it's called Legend of Bagger Vance. How I get to this is actually a, a monologue that Will Smith has who plays Bagger Vance golfing caddy for Matt Damon's character. And he basically goes about talking about your own authentic swing. Now, 
why it's that way, it, it's kind of a complicated thing. I'm not going to really break the plot for you, but what he goes about it is it, it's finding how your swing is your own unique thing. You can go through all different elements of the game of golf, but there's only one aspect of it that is yours and yours alone and how the process of you going about and finding it. And I, this is something that I actually take to heart in a lot of things, but when we talk about the broadcasting side, it is true. If once you kind of get yourself going in this business, when you kind of figure out how you want to call your games, that is how you're going to set yourself apart from everybody else. And at the same time, there's, and it's something that we've talked about, there's a lot of people out there that in trying to find your own voice, there's a lot of emulating of others, which is good. And we're going to get to that, but it sometimes overshadows what you're trying to accomplish in yourself when you're figuring out how to, how you want to call games and where do you go from that? So I think that's kind of where I wanted to start with today. And I know it's a conversation that we hit on actually Joe a couple of weeks ago um, in the overcoming bad broadcasting habits, but I feel like that's almost a perfect continuation to start now is that in order to find the way that you talk and the way that I talk, it takes a lot of digging to get exactly where you want to be. Yeah. And you know, what we had talked about in that episode a few weeks back, if you remember, is just being authentic to yourself and not trying to sound like XYZ broadcaster. And I think we talked about that again last week, a little bit uh, when Mike was on and what I'm about to say is not to pick on Syracuse, um, but there is a <laughs> a certain Syracuse sound that you hear from a lot of young broadcasters that come out of Newhouse. Um, and it's a good sound. Like, it, it sounds good. Like, there's a reason why good broadcasters come out of there. But the thing is, is especially early on, until those broadcasters find what their own voice is, you listen and you just go, wow. There's nothing that is different than this person, than, you know, six other people. You know, you all sound the same. You all sound interchangeable. So I think using that as the example of why it's important to differentiate yourself from the pack. You can sound really good and you can have the nuts and bolts down really well. But if you don't establish your own personality, your own voice, then you're just going to be interchangeable with a bunch of other people who haven't established their own personality or their own voice. And what sets a person like a Jason Benetti apart from some others or others that maybe he graduated with was that he found what his voice is and still the nuts and bolts and everything else was really good. But when he found his voice and developed, things really took off for him. And, and that's just something that takes time and it takes practice, but of course, that sounds so weird to say that it takes time and practice to just be yourself. Um, but it's it's absolutely true because you can't really get there until you have a certain comfort level. Um, maybe can't, but it's it's difficult to. And if you have no problem being authentically you from the first time you're on air, then that's special. And don't take that for granted, because uh, for most people, it takes a while and a while meaning a few years to develop that identity and to just get comfortable with being who you are um, authentically to yourself every time you're on the microphone. It's interesting that you bring up this system and 
for you and I who didn't go to a broadcasting school, we kind of look at that and you referenced Syracuse and this could obviously be talked about for a number of schools that have produced a lot of broadcasters on the East Coast. You're talking Fordham, Hofstra is certainly in there. If you're going out more West, Midwest, Northwestern, uh, that's another school that has generated uh, good broadcasters. But it is interesting when you look at it from the outside perspective. And I never even like, I've obviously heard that. Um, by just watching games, I never really put two and two together in the sense that, yeah, when you go to a school that has pumped out all these people, um, they all do sound the same in when you start out. And now for those that are listening and wondering, so why are we, we're not knocking on this because it does genuinely take years for you to figure out exactly how you want to sound. Now, granted, a lot of this does come down to your personality traits, which we're going to get to in just a little bit. But at the same time, if you do have that advantage of working within a system that obviously has produced so many great people, you obviously have to start there because if it's worked, you might as well just continue doing and then, you know, build yourself up once you have kind of the baseline, if you will. For Joe and myself, we basically kind of had to start off at ground zero almost or, or like you know square one we didn't have that much of kind of knowing exactly what we needed to do to get into it we had to be basically our own teachers as well as our own mentors once we found people we could talk to that was massive in going through it and we've talked a lot about our things that we've worked on in the past to make us who we are today it definitely feels like it's it's a process you can find ways to make yourself sound good without actually sounding the way that you want to sound, even though it's kind of weird to say, right? Yeah, and I think that that's a good point, when, when, especially when you bring up, you know, having the mentor. I mean, that, that's when we talk about a broadcasting school, um, that's really one of the biggest benefits of it is you have bunch of faculty who are mentors, upperclassmen who are mentors, alumni who can all be those mentors. So when it comes to the college thing, I mean, that's the real benefit of it. And those people can get you to sound good. But again, I think for the most part, I can't tell you how to be J.J. Duke when you're on the air, because uh, I'm going to tell you how to be Joe Vasile on the air. And that's not going to it's not going to translate. Um, and so you make the point of, you know, with you and I figuring out a little and then eventually finding mentors who helped kind of guide us along as much as that helped. And as far as I've come, at least in my career, I don't want to speak for you, but uh, I'm sure you feel the same way. As far as I've come with the help of so many people, um, they weren't the help that got me to develop my own voice and to figure out what that was. It was just, I don't even want to say trial and error, but it was just a lot of, a lot of reps with not a lot of people listening um, before I eventually settled in to a point where I felt, okay, this is me being me. And I feel comfortable with showing off some weird sides of my personality, talking about some, you know, off the cuff things like Mike brought it up last week. And I think this is, this is kind of the example of it of, you know, when I was telling a story about my mom coaching 
as a kid. Like that's, that's a story that I can tell that is something only I can tell. That, that's me bringing my unique perspective into this game and trying to relate it to something that's happening on the court. Um, you know, but my confidence to tell a story like that and to feel like, you know what, I can get away with this, that took time. Like my first year or so broadcasting, I never would have done that because I'm like, well, I shouldn't, shouldn't interject that in or whatever. But as I developed, I guess, a personality on air that was more, I guess, conversational in a way, um, friendly, uh, I, I attempted to be warm. We're just like, yeah, I'll be a little irreverent in things. I'll drop in a, a funny side anecdote or a family tradition or something like that. I feel more comfortable in, in kind of peeling the curtain back and letting those moments uh, kind of come. And it works because that's, that's my personality and that's, that's who I show up as on the air. When you talk about the figuring out exactly the time frame in getting comfortable, I was actually kind of thinking about it. How long did it take to get right on air? So my first season, and this is talking baseball, baseball only at the time. I mean, obviously played the, I played the game. So knew how to put in, you know, situations explain all that to make it sound good if you are someone that's relatively new to watching a sport but if you're going upon other sports some of which I was not comfortable with it may take a full two years really mm -hmm. to get yourself okay you talk about having personal anecdotes myself would be topical references I do drop an occasional pop culture if it you know warrants the opportunity but how long would it take to get there? Because you have to also realize that you're trying to figure out maybe possibly a sport that you're not understanding. It might take a full year to learn about that because obviously you've got players who are playing the game for such a long time that they know because guess what players or parents of players are listening and they will easily tell you right away. If you have paid attention or learning the game, if you make mistakes, it's fine. Everybody does it. But then how to weave in your style with that. It takes time. As Joe said, repetitions. I mean, we've called between us at least a couple of thousand games and we're still trying to fine tune some stuff. It's not a process that truly ever ends overnight. But when you talk about those character traits, those personality traits, it's so it's actually it's really fascinating to be quite honest with you, because like you talk about how you are for me, I'm a little bit of like I'm introverted. But at the same time, I get very passionate about things that I enjoy, obviously. Sports is very high up there. So I enjoy revering and bringing out the best in a moment without, you know, overbearing on the moment. But how does that work? Like, how do you make yourself sound within the context of things, but not being eccentric and over the top? Yeah, and a good example of, that learning the sport thing for me is basketball. I mean, I, I watched a little bit of basketball as a kid. I played a little bit, but I would not say that I had an intimate knowledge of the game of basketball before I started broadcasting it. And I still don't think that I have in, in, in like a, 
uh, an intimate knowledge of the game. Like I understand it much better. I can recognize offensive sets. I can recognize defensive sets. I can differentiate between what was a good shot, what was a bad shot, good defense, bad, you know, and some little nuances of things that don't show up in the stat sheet that are good plays and bad plays. But all of that was stuff that I had very little ability to recognize when I first called a basketball game in 2012. Um, and for me to say that I was kind of lost uh, is not an overstatement. Um, I was. And it took a while of me watching basketball and again, making a, a concerted effort to really learn the nuances of the game um, and broadcasting it over and over and over and over again to fully get the picture of the nuances of the sport to now I'm at a point where I feel comfortable. I can talk basketball with coaches and not sound like an idiot. I can, you know, say that was a good play. That was a bad play, good shot, bad shot, that kind of stuff. And know that I'm right, you know, and not like, well, I'm just guessing that that was a bad shot. Um, but it took a while to kind of get to that point. Um, and while I was getting there, again, the comfort level was not there and the broadcast didn't sound good because I didn't know the sport that well. And I, my lack of comfort on air really showed up. And that's something that, that applies to any sport you call. Um, but once you get again, more comfortable in, in finding your voice, uh, whether it's your voice within a, a certain sport that you call, because who I am in a baseball broadcast is different than who I am in a basketball broadcast. Um, because the, the sports demand different things of you. Like I tell a lot of stories in baseball broadcasts. I don't really in basketball because there's just not time. Um, you know, so I try to have the same authority on air and the same qualities in the broadcast and how I use my voice and word choices and things like that. But again, different sports can call for, for kind of different parts of your personality uh, to show up to the party. And I think that's such a, a big point, truthfully, because, and I've always said this to people, if you ever want to get into broadcasting, the big things you have to understand are you need to do a lot of homework and the homework really actually starts in watching games of the sport that you're doing. And we said this early on, actually in um, the getting out of your comfort level show mm -hmm. is you want to watch something at the highest level. So then when you're watching and you get comfortable, then comfortable with the rules and how the game plays and the nuances so on and so on and by the way feel you 100% on a number of sports because like you're talking about basketball you you played like sparingly mostly as a youth grown up same for me but at the same time the games I'm calling heavy volleyball never played competitively lacrosse no chance I was a baseball player field hockey don't think you could find a male field hockey program in my area so those are three major sports that I'm calling on like, you know, a year by year basis. And I don't learn everything from scratch. That's, you know, kind of the way it is. So you watch things from the top, but getting back to kind of the point that I was making was 
when you watch things, you break it down. And then when you go back and you start listening to yourself calling games and take, if you don't take anything from the show, but this, we've said reviewing yourself is the most important thing out there. Find the things that you're doing good and remind yourself of that. But then when you hear about the things that you're not doing so well on and ways to improve that, this is then where you can figure out how can my personality traits, how can my comfort level improve? Because when you break down your weaknesses, try to turn them into strengths, then all of a sudden you want to figure out what are the things that I'm strong at? So then ultimately when my weaknesses do become strengths, how do my strengths become better or showcase it more. Joe's talking about some of the things that he's done in the past, you know, telling stories, but realizing that for basketball, that's not really key for softball. For me, not that I've called it much in the past, but unlike baseball, it's a much quicker pace game. Pitchers are getting the ball throwing. If the ball's not in play, they get it back and go again, as opposed to the first couple of years I was calling baseball, either independent league, minor league college my pace was so far off so far off the point so then I was watching back all these softball games that I was doing and I'm wondering how am I still not getting there and then going through realizing oh because I'm trying to tell a story about something that I saw in an SEC game but then two or three things have happened during that time and my point becomes moot so maybe best to not talk about it so much and just get on being simple but calling the game and when the time is right if there's a dead moment in the game then you could bring in a story if it makes sense so reviewing is massive understanding the sport is massive and that's where you can bring out the character in you because at the end of the day we are kind of a showman and show women when we call games yeah and i will give this piece of advice and tough love and just say things that a lot of people need to hear, myself included. If you're not funny, don't try to be funny. <laughs> like, there is nothing worse than someone attempting to make a joke in a broadcast and it falling just so flat. Like, it's, and it's something that a lot of people do early on because they think, ah, oh, none of these people who are calling games on Fox or ESPN are really funny. And when I say these things, they crack my friends up. So I'm going to try and say these things on a broadcast. And then you do, and it's not funny at all. Um, so if you're a funny person looking at Ian Eagle, go ahead. Don't try to do an Ian Eagle impression if you're not funny. Like me, I know where my joke wheelhouse is. And I can't plan to say a joke ever. If I plan a joke, it fails every single time. If I just make a non sequitur, one liner side comment in the midst of a conversation, it, it can hit in a big way. Because um, like, that's, that's where my joke wheelhouse is, it's just a, a side comment here and there. But I can't plan it out. If I plan it out, it's going to fall flat on its face. So, again, you have to know thyself for this, right? It's don't try in creating your voice to be something that you're not. 
because it's going to very easily go down in flames. Um, so yeah, if you think I can be funny like Iron Eagle, because you've heard Iron Eagle make some jokes and say so-and-so is not human, um, you better be able to deliver the goods. That's, that's all, all you can really say is if you're going to go for it, you just, just make sure you're, make sure it fits who you are and what your wheelhouse is. And while, and on a sidebar that while, if you're broadcasting and you want to turn it into some sort of a comedy club, you will know right away if a joke lands or if it doesn't, because every time that you take to the mic and call a game, those that are closest around you, whether it be other personnel in the press box, camera people, because sometimes you might be right next to the camera people. If they're not laughing, then it's not funny. <laughs> if they're laughing, then most of the time, probably the people at home probably get a chuckle out of it as well. Don't take mental notes, though, because I'm right with you in saying that I'm kind of very much situational humor type person. If I see something and I could quickly think of something that would be funny, I'm going to go ahead and say it. If I've got to wait two minutes, forget it. We just move on to the next one. But I think you do bring up a good point. And this is the other kind of half that I want to touch on for today. If you're talking about emulating people at the top, and obviously we've talked about this a bit, but in the sense of now bringing it to our own person, you're talking about Ian Eagle making jokes. If you're talking about Doc Emmerich, which by the way, shout out to a it's such an impressive career. He just mm -hmm. if you're listening to the show now, we're at the back end of October 2020. The previous week he announced his retirement from professional hockey broadcast and he was amazing. But if you're if you're not great at adding an intricate lexicon to your broadcast, don't try and think that you could do that because it's just going to come up flat. So I guess for broadcasters, and I'm pose this question to you, I'll also answer this as well, Joe, but for those that are trying to come up through the ranks or get started, you see all these people, you're doing the things that we're asking about watching games at the highest level. You see how people call games. How do you stay away from falling into the trap of sounding exactly like the person at the top level and just completely ignoring what you want to be comfortable with? I think it mostly comes down to just figuring out yourself and when you do listen and if you try to do something similar that you try to make it your own and not only try to make it your own but you make it a point to make it your own um if you don't it's going to be really hard to succeed just plain and simple um unless you do the world's greatest Jim Nance impression. Um, but even so, like, someone's going to hear that and go, wow, that's a good Jim Nance impression, and then move on to somebody else. Um, so you need to make sure that it feels right. And, and, like, you know when it doesn't. Like, you don't, there's nothing that you hear that you have to say, I have to sound like this to be taken seriously or to be a good broadcaster, you have to do this thing. If it doesn't feel natural to you, don't do it. Like if saying a certain thing doesn't feel like the right thing to say, unless it's like, that's the, you know, the phraseology of the sport, um, you know, 
then don't say it. Like, don't feel like you grew up watching Mets games and Gary Cohen says it's out of here. Don't feel like you have to say it's out of here on home runs. If it doesn't feel right, and if it feels like you're forcing it, don't do it. Um, it it's, it's really that easy. So, again, a lot of it just comes down to being honest with yourself. Um, and when you listen, listening with an ear for, does this sound like me? And if the answer is no, then you better figure out why it doesn't and fix it. Um, because that's the most important thing that you can sound like is yourself. Um, if you don't sound like yourself, you're, you're going to have a lot of problems. And that's, that's another maybe tough love thing is if you, you feel like you can't just be yourself on air, then that, that's an issue. That's a big issue um, that I don't know if you're going to solve by listening to this podcast. You'll probably have to pay someone with an advanced degree to listen to you talk for like an hour a week for a while. If you feel like you can't like, and I say that partly as a joke and partly dead serious. Like if you, if you have that much of an identity crisis where you feel like you can't be yourself on air, then you got to figure out why that is. Otherwise, this is not the right career for you. Um, if you can't figure out how to be JJ, if you can't figure out how to be Joe, if you can't figure out how to be Mike or Emma or Adam or Mike Watts or whoever, like everyone we've brought in, everyone we've talked to, uh, Susie, they all, when you listen to them, on this podcast, and then when you listen to their work, they show up as the same person because they are themselves on the air. And if you don't do that, it, it's going to be very, very difficult to succeed. I, I wish I had a better answer for what you can do to, to kind of get past that, but I really don't know. Like, I, I just don't have the knowledge necessary to pass on to anyone of, of how to get past that other than you just need to. And, and I think the major point of this episode is to really just generate that sort of conversation. You bring up a number of really good aspects to it. The things that I'm going to add in terms of answering the question first, and then touch on a couple of other things. I always ask broadcasters, what do you want to get out of calling games? So if the first answer is, well, I want to sound like Jim Nance or I want to sound like Ian Eagle or Doc Emmerich or so on and so forth and maybe try to get viral with the highlight clip or something like that. You're in it for all the wrong reasons, I'm afraid. Um, you know, yeah, it's cool to be internet famous for like 15 seconds, but that's really all it's going to be is just a short amount of time. You were talking about how someone makes a joke and people would realize, oh, yeah, hi, it's funny, Jim Nance joke. All right what's this guy going to say in the next three minutes that will make me and keep me interested. What I do tell broadcasters to do, especially on the play by play side, and you're not familiar with the sport. Don't worry so much about the way that the play by play is actually bringing, you know, talking about the game. Listen to what the analysts are talking. about. I think that's so much more important because then you're going to learn all the ins and outs of a game. You're going to learn, basketball the right ways to break a two three or three two zone um first you know blanking you know, football um pocket protection 
quarterback reading the eyes of the linebackers. I mean, just last, last night alone, I know this is super topical, but um, it was a Sunday night football game between Seattle Seahawks and Arizona Cardinals, and they were talking about different schemes that the Seahawks are bringing to try and stop Kyler Murray because he loves to run if there's any issues. And then they basically, the Seahawks ended up late in the game bringing a spy on him that was just taking away passing lanes, or at least to the best of his abilities. Um, unfortunately, the Cardinals ended up winning that one in overtime. Great game. We'll talk about that off camera at some other point. But those are the things that I, I want young broadcasters to listen to is the analysis side. Don't focus so much on what the play-by-play is doing because that's kind of where – because we're saying you have to figure it out on your own and how you want to sound, but learn the ins and outs. Now, going on to some of the other stuff, and I thought one thing that was great that Susie brought up, and again, if you're not knowing the reference, go back a few episodes ago um, where we had Susie Cool of the Rochester Americans come on. She does content creation for that, but she also talks about a little bit of her own stand-up and broadcasting side. When she moved to Rochester from... Uh, Salem, Virginia, she almost kind of wanted to like, I think she said, in paraphrasing, she wasn't sure how to best bring about her pretty heavy Pittsburgh accent. Like, how would people respond to that? And then very quickly on, she realized it wasn't as important what people thought about her accent. It was important about how she was connecting with the audience. And then once she got over that, she was able to bring out her cool and sassy side, as she would say, um, and then just get on with it. And people love that because that's who she is. So for whatever it is for you that makes you tick, go with it. Just go with it. Yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, the stories of Bob Costas hiring a uh, a vocal coach to get rid of his thick New York accent. I mean, we've we've heard that one a thousand times. But at the same point, like – there's a lot of broadcasters out there who have Southern accents and Southern draws. They don't try to get rid of those because that's who they are. Like they're broadcasters with New England accents. They don't get rid of those because that's who they are. Like you don't, don't feel like, especially an accent is something that you can't overcome. Um, and, and kind of to your point about not necessarily focusing on the, play-by-play aspect and, and more on the analyst when you're kind of watching and, and doing things like soccer is a great example of that, right? So many soccer broadcasters in the U.S. listen to a lot of English broadcasters called the sport. And this is something I'm borrowing from J.P. Delacamera, um, a great soccer voice here in the U.S., where he says, I don't call games fixtures. I don't call the field the pitch. It's not one nil, it's one to nothing. That's England. I'm not broadcasting in England. I'm broadcasting in the United States, you know? So kind of realizing that, oh yeah, soccer broadcasters say all these different things, but they're in England, they're English. We're in the United States, you know, we're in America. So use American terms. Don't feel like because you're broadcasting soccer, you have to use British terms. It's just weird. Uh, you know, and sure, mix in a nil or a fixture or a pitch every once in a while, but don't feel like you have to say these things. Um, Americanize it. And especially with a sport like soccer, like having more American voices 
broadcasting the game in a more American style is going to grow the game in America. Like if we just try to keep broadcasting it the way that the Brits broadcast it, um, it's not really good for anyone. Like you don't broadcast, I, I don't broadcast any other sport like that. I don't broadcast hockey like I'm Canadian, you know, why would I broadcast soccer like I'm British? Uh, you know, I'm going to broadcast it like I was born 20 minutes from New York City and grew up there. Um, you know, what a great game is out on the field. It's one nothing. Um, I don't know. That's, that's kind of my two cents building off of, of kind of what you just said there. And I think it's completely valid. At the end of the day, and just – in summarizing this whole episode, really, it's we want you when you're behind the mic to be who you are, be comfortable. And then when you're ready to get going and mix in everything together, that is truly when you see the fullest extent of your potential. Again, this is a business that we love and we recognize that there are very, very few people that get it going right from day one and get it all together. Now, there are people that put it together a lot quicker than others. And if you've listened to the show, Mike Watts, who is like, I believe, four or five years younger than us, <laughs> was already a massive profile. But that's not to say that you have to be discouraged on where you're at listening at home. He just happened to find it make it work to how he wants. And he even said that he has his own styles as well and fights through a few things to make it sound better. Or as you said, try to connect with an audience that his is his own and not trying to speak to an audience that isn't miles and miles, a, a full ocean of water away. That's just how he goes about it. But again, like just, you know, be patient. Don't try and do things that you're not comfortable with because then it's a lot easier to break down your own work to rectify, to improve and ultimately get to where you want to be, which is at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do. Give you reference points to get you to where you want to be. You give me the thumbs up and I'm going to take that. And Joe, you know what? I think let's just end this one right there. I know it's yeah, a little I was going to say, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to build any more off of, off of that summation yeah it, it but it's been a good conversation these are these are things that i've said this before but i will say it again these are things that i wanted to utilize this platform to do there you have your systems of those who went to big broadcasting schools but then you have a lot of people that didn't this is hopefully going to help both parties to an extent talk about some of the things that aren't often mentioned but are ultimately you have to figure out and you know, I, I feel like there's plenty of volumes in here that like today's that can really get you on your way, so to speak. So um, number of different ways and appreciate to all those who have reached out to us uh, as we started this project is I, I think, and Joe, I know you have been able to help out a few people in the past. I have to an extent as well. I think that's the most gratifying part of all this is <laughs> people are listening and people want to get themselves better, right? Absolutely. That's uh it's been one of the one of the most rewarding parts about having done this during the pandemic is the opportunity to just connect with so many different uh, you know young broadcasters and, and people who are our peers um, you know in, in this business who have who have really reached out uh, over the last 
I guess, a couple months now that we've been doing this. Hard to believe it's already been that long. It is, yeah. Well, this is, I believe this is right now our 23rd total show that we've done. So we've certainly made some inroads on that front. But if you haven't reached out and you want to do so, get our input on anything, here's how you can do so. You can email us at viewsfromtheboothpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at the VFTB underscore pod. Instagram, views from the booth underscore pod. Facebook, views from the booth podcast. Joe is at Joe Vasile PVP on Twitter. Joe Vasile on Instagram. I'm at JJ Duke 21 on Twitter. JJ dot Duke 21 on Instagram. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of views from the booth podcast. If you want to catch up on any of our past episodes, you can find us everywhere where you get your podcasts. We'll see you all next time. <laughs>